0: This is MPN.
1: Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in depth about two movies with a common theme. And at the end, we'll talk about menu items that you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace,
0: what is this week's theme? This week's theme is agoraphobic Hitchcock. Yay! Uh, the first movie for that is uh, Hitchcock's Rope, which was released in, I believe, 1948. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, the basic plot summary. Uh, just before hosting a dinner party, Philip Morgan and Brandon Shaw strangle a mutual friend to death with a piece of rope purely as a Nietzsche-inspired philosophical exercise. Putting the body in a chest upon which they then arrange a buffet dinner, the pair welcomed their guests, including the victim's oblivious fiancé and the college professor whose lectures inadvertently inspired the killing. Very
1: nice. And our second movie uh, in agoraphobic Hitchcock is 1954's Rear Window the IMDb plot description for that is a wheelchair bound photographer spies on his neighbors from an apart- from his apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grace, do you want to start with rope? Yeah. So we start off with our, our only shot outside of uh, the apartment where this entire thing takes place. Uh, and it's of the street. Um, uh, just as the opening credits are going by and then we pan up to the window of an apartment and enter, um, uh, to find, um, two men who, uh, have just strangled uh, a third man <laughs> to death. And, uh, they, it's just like they—they're using like a very short piece of rope, which I—I I, I don't know why I find kind of humorous. <laughs> it's like it's like two feet long, maybe at, at most, <laughs> a piece of rope, and they're like wearing their little murder gloves. Um, and uh, the two men are um, Philip and Brandon. The friend that they've just murdered is named David, um, and that's going to be important because they're going to have invited literally everyone David knows <laughs> to. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> to a dinner party after this. So, once they realize they they they've, they've uh, checked his heartbeat and he's dead, they stick him in a chest uh in their living room. Uh and they um decide to they're they're having a they're throwing a dinner party like soon to now. So they, <laughs> they decide to uh move all of the uh this or the buffet dinner uh, to on top of the chest. Um, and as they're doing this, we sort of get to know these two characters, Brandon and Philip, who are, I'm going to refer to them as a couple because <laughs> 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 like it's, you know, they kind of get away with not making them a couple in movie, but it, it feels like just because they, they couldn't, because the movie came out in 1948 and they had like the Hays Code to contend with. But the movie's based on a play and the play, they are a couple. And the play is based on a real life murder of these two guys who, uh, killed someone you know, for sim- for with similar motives um who were suspected to have been in a relationship. So we're just going to say <laughs> that Brandon and Philip are are a couple for convenience sake. I feel like it's kind of impossible to watch this movie and not read it that way in like in modern times. Yeah, it's difficult because uh, I guess they
1: they never call each other that, but they seem to live together and they're about to go on a vacation. They're going to leave town together yeah so yeah
0: and um as they're uh setting up their housekeeper comes back um from uh picking up some pate for their party um and she sees that they're moving everything from the uh the dining room table into uh the living room on top of the chest which she thinks is very dumb because it is but (laughs) (laughs) They, they have a very, like, very thin excuse for doing this, it, it, and it's to, like, set up some books on the dining room table for one of their guests to take a look at, but it's really just because and is, like, getting off on um, <laughs> the thought of everybody, like, eating dinner off of this dead body that they're hiding in the chest in the living room.
1: Yeah, what they're very um, different personalities. Like Philip yeah. is clearly upset and then everything that Brandon says, it's like it's just fun. This is a game. It's like he talks about how it's a lovely evening and it's like an immaculate murder. He wants to have champagne to celebrate and like he's the one who has the idea to serve dinner over yes. his literal dead body. Uh, on this very like long and thin chest too. It's not like something that you would normally think of as a, a table. It, it's more decorative. I feel like it. It would. Seem. Yeah, it's like
0: a it's like a buffet, like like a side table type thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's, it's 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 weird, and the way that they describe the murder too is I feel like you know it sort of plays off of like the evil homosexuals thing, and it's very like. He's get, he gets excited when he's talking about how it felt to to murder the guy and like sort of breathing heavily and and talking about how exhilarating it was. Um, and and Philip is is not quite on board with that. You kind of get the sense I don't know that you really you can say that Philip uh, is is sorry about killing him. Like he doesn't seems he doesn't seem to really have regret about doing it. He's just worried about being caught. Yeah. it seems more like, yeah, like, like he probably wouldn't have done it if Brandon hadn't pushed him into it. But uh, his his concern seems to be more about himself and not about the fact that he murdered a man. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Brandon's just uh, going about as, as though everything's fine and dandy and he's just having a grand old time. Um, <laughs> Philip's worried about hiding the murder weapon, the rope, and he's just like, why? It's just a piece of rope. It's fine. Um <laughs> Anyway, then uh, the rest of their guests start to arrive. uh, Included is um, an old friend of David's, the guy that they murdered, um, and uh, David's fiance. There's a great scene when uh, they also uh, have an older couple, Mrs. Atwater, uh, and, oh shoot, I forgot the older man's name, uh, come by, scene where she mistakes their friend Kenneth for David, and uh, Philip breaks the glass in his hand when she says David's name out loud. yeah. <laughs> um, and this whole thing, by the way, is, is shot in like, I'd say the first 10 minutes or so are all shot in one continuous take. And most of the, most of the movie is shot in just long, extremely long takes, mm-hmm. which was kind of revolutionary at the time. I think Hitchcock was the first one to really do this for the full run of a, uh, of a movie like this. And it's, I think that's one of the reasons why, they kept it in the same location the whole time. And it's also like the whole thing plays out essentially in real time. Um, yeah. So that lends to that feeling. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of, it, it adds to the suspense. I don't know that audiences really, or the critics really appreciated it that much. I think it felt, felt a little more gimmicky at the time, probably then. Than something that was really necessary, but <laughs> but I think it I think it serves a purpose to the story.
1: I think it works well because also uh, Brandon can't escape this space that yeah. he's in. Like they're all just like confined together. He can't really just leave. So you just have to be around David's parents
0: and mm-hmm. yeah, and everybody. So at this point, um, the Jimmy Stewart our, our big star arrives. <laughs> 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 Uh, and he's playing Rupert. He's a former uh, teacher, I guess, uh, of uh, yeah. um, Philip and David. And um, he's kind of the one that they got this this idea from to murder someone because he has these sort of Nietzschean ideas of, um, you know, morality doesn't really apply to certain people. Uh, the sort of moral superiority, I guess, of um, as long as you're... Of a certain type of person, then you should be above such things as as being held accountable for murder, <laughs> which is. Uh, I can't say you know. Jimmy Stewart kind of comes around on this on this point of view, but I'm like I, I feel like he's old enough that he should have gotten past this <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like he would be like their age and and have the the ideas for cut a throat week or strangulation day yeah he kind as of he comes says, up with yeah. uh, the idea for the purge in this yes movie, I think <laughs> what is exactly in my notes i have that quote
0: and then the purge yeah <laughs> um and this all comes up as they're having their little dinner party um with the body buried in, in the trunk right in front of them we also find out that um during school, Brandon actually wrote stories about uh, a skeleton being found in a trunk because he's just the dumbest murderer in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, he would tell stories. I did think that was interesting, though. It was like the yeah the mistletoe bar was his favorite, where a bride hid in a chest and it yeah. latched, it locked, so she couldn't get out. So she they just found her fifty years later. They found her
0: body in there. They. Um, <laughs> Rupert's, or sorry, um, Philip is kind of like slowly losing it throughout this whole thing. And uh, there's a, a point where Philip, or Brandon, I'm sorry, <laughs> the, the more dominant one, is uh, telling a story about how Philip strangled a chick. And, it, I mean, it's there. The story is there so that Philip can freak out about, about strangling a chicken because he's thinking about strangling how he just strangled David. But it's also weird to me because I don't know if the term choking the chicken was a slang uh, phrase at this I time. didn't even think about that at all. <laughs> it's all I could think about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are they doing this on purpose? <laughs> Like, is it a funny story because everybody knows that slang term, or <laughs> is it just a funny choking, like, strangling a chicken story? Huh. Do do not understand.
1: <laughs> all right, well, now that's all I'm going to think about for that. I'm not going to be able to not think about that. Okay.
0: Uh, but anyway... Um, Philip freaks out uh, about about the chicken story, and at this point, Rupert's kind of uh, becoming a little bit suspicious. And also, everybody's noticed that David has not showed up to the dinner party. Um, he was supposed to meet his fiance there, um, and uh, he is nobody really knows where he is. And everybody's just it's it's everybody that David knows <laughs> at this party, <laughs> because again, Brandon is the worst murderer in the. World. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's just so much hubris really. We also have uh Jimmy Stewart, yes, yeah, so as he's having his little purge uh night discussion or purge week. <laughs> um <laughs> the uh the the older man there um immediately compares him to Hitler and I thought that was uh that was interesting as a sort of a pre-internet Godwin's law um <laughs> <laughs> example. The landlady also uh, lets Jimmy Stewart know that about the whole table uh, resetting thing. Um, And we see Jimmy Stewart grow even more suspicious at this point, um, because, again, their reasoning for rearranging the table did not make any real sense. Um, But it seems like they got away with it. Everybody starts to leave. They wrap, you know, Brandon once again in his humor wraps the books that he's giving his friend uh, with the rope that they used to strangle <sighs> the <laughs> as he sends him out the door. Um, and Philip's just, just quietly freaking out in the background of yeah. every single scene. <laughs> yeah, he's getting more um, and more upset. Like, so he's
1: just sort of like yelling in like an upset <laughs> way. And so, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then they uh, get everybody out of the apartment. They're getting ready to move the body, and go on vacation, quote-unquote on vacation, in order to get rid of it. Um, When Jimmy Stewart calls back up to the apartment under the guise of having forgotten his uh, cigarette case, he comes up and we get a little bit of uh, interrogation while Philip plays the piano, which they have the metronome ticking the entire time that he's playing, which I thought was a very nice touch. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then um, there's also a, a very... Oh, this was this was earlier. Sorry, <laughs> I wanted to mention this, but there's there's a very uh, as as everybody's leaving, the housekeeper starts cleaning up, and she's taking like all of the things off of the uh, the trunk. Um, and getting prepared to open it up to put something in and just at the very last second Brandon comes over and closes it so that she doesn't look inside. Okay they are
1: all in one room and again it's like it's a long shot where you're you can hear everybody else in the room but you're focused on her cleaning up the apartment and getting ready to put the books back and I can't believe just being in the small same space with her that you do not notice that she is just, like, <laughs> working around the area where the body is and, like, cleaning it off and is, like, about to go in. And just at the very last second, I feel like it would be, like, a huge tip-off, be like, why don't you want her to open this? Like, <laughs> they seem so urgent, so urgent about it. Um, yeah. That I feel like you'd be like, you've just got to, you've got to look in there anyway. And then, like, when Jimmy Stewart is leaving, he gets David's hat, like you can see. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, all right, yes. so he has to come back. But, yeah, I don't you know do, how you... Yeah, he's-
0: See, that david's hat's there but david is not <laughs> yeah so so they yes they're they've all left uh brandon is just the most turned on <laughs> 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 and having gotten away with murder he's so excited yeah about as it. if
1: now it's just done like there's no way yeah. now nobody's <laughs> suspicious nobody will look for him like the party's done so nobody yeah. will look for david or wonder where he's been like now it's just over
0: yeah, and he seems to think that once they get rid of the body, they've gotten away with it. And it's like, you, you're still a friend of his. Like, people are going to suspect you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially considering you threw this this party with literally all of his friends on the night that he went missing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's when Jimmy Stewart comes back in. And with him, he has the length of rope uh, because he has suspected that that, that was... Uh, what they used um and philip freaks out <laughs> uh they uh I, I think brandon has a gun yeah brandon takes out a gun um but jimmy stewart manages to wrestle a little way from him um and uh then he gives a whole speech about how you know he never thought that they would take it this far and um There must have been something inside of them. He's kind of absolving himself, I feel like, of a lot of his philosophy that he he was spouting to these young minds.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He now thinks that they're twisting his words to try to convince him that, yeah, that he should be on on, on board for it because it's like, you you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. But he shoots the gun outside in order to alert the authorities and is basically condemning both – philip and brandon to death now
1: and that's how it ends <laughs> yeah then just waiting like just waiting for the yeah just for the waiting police. for the police
0: to show up with the, the sirens in the background and it is interesting the because the whole thing happens you know in this apartment they had this like special you know backdrop made that's was uh you know not just like a matte painting because like the sun had to go down they had like neon lights come on in the, like the distant buildings and stuff like that um And even though the whole thing essentially happens in real time, they did, it feels longer because they, you know, they had to like speed up sunset. The whole dinner party takes like 20 minutes (laughs) essentially, but it's really cool because it does, you've like the entire length of, you know, from murder to cap with these characters. And even though uh, Philip and Brandon are uh, the bad guys, I mean, they're the murderers. We're also sort of seeing everything, they're our protagonists, you know. We're seeing mm-hmm. everything from their point of view, and uh, yeah, I feel like it, it makes—I don't know that if it was intentional, but it, but it feels a little bit like Jimmy Stewart is sort of now he's he's the one who's sort of deciding who gets to die <laughs> because he 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 straight up says like you're going to die now because you know because you've killed this other guy, so. He he is sort of taking up the mantle of sort of choosing, <laughs> being the person to choose who lives and dies in that moment. Even though it's it's sort of culturally, I think uh, justified uh, for us, it's still interesting and, and weirdly like um, vengeful. I feel like the way he says it.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I'd want to look and see what Hitchcock's intentions and stuff like were, like with the film and kind of like the message that he was he was going with. Because it's all very well done uh within that mm-hmm. within the movie it's set up well i feel like the dialogue is is really playful um you know so that you can believe that these things all kind of like escalate in the in the way that they do with the personality types but yeah i would wonder what his overall kind of message would be for for the movie in the yeah. end but that's interesting with the the sets that you're talking like the backdrop and everything like that because i feel like he hitchcock himself is kind of like building because uh in doing rear window it was in a very mm-hmm. very elaborate setup uh for making for making that that movie which i guess we'll get to in a second
0: yeah um and it's also interesting they apparently had to go back and re like half the movie because hitchcock didn't like the way that the sunset played in the background wow. the first time through <laughs> yeah oh. Uh, and like, and filming, filming these like, you know, long extended takes it at this time, you know, the, the equipment was huge. Like the camera equipment was huge. So they had, they had to make, you know, all the, they had to move all the furniture. They had to move the walls out, out of the way from one room to another and stuff like that. So it was not, it was not easy.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, it looks great in the end.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's rope. All right. And then, so Rear Window, uh, it was nominated for four Oscars, including directing, uh, screenplay, cinematography, and sound. And for that one, so they built for this because it's, it essentially, it takes place inside of uh, Jimmy Stewart's apartment. And then it's like looking out onto the courtyard and other buildings, uh, like from his perspective. So they built 31 apartments that had electricity and running water for them to to build this movie Wow and they could make it go from like day to night uh, in under 45 minutes they could change it so it completely looked like mm-hmm. night and and day so that's why I was like oh okay so they worked really hard on this and I guess when people would come and like tour um, the studio and stuff like that they would want to show off like this set because it's like so impressive which I mean oh, I yeah. I would want to see that like that's amazing. <laughs> Um, I would absolutely go on that tour (laughs) yeah yeah so uh, the film opens with like a long shot to see all of the stuff so you can see the courtyard you can see his neighbors uh, and like what they're doing is you see that it is 95 degrees out so you know it's hot and then we see uh, Jimmy Stewart he's in a wheelchair with a cast on his leg that says here lies the broken bones of L.B. Jeffries and then the entire movie takes place in Jeff's apartment looking out to the, to the courtyard. Uh, and he has his wheelchair parked like in front of the window the whole movie. And he's like spying on his neighbors. And so his neighbors, just to quickly run through because we'll talk about them. But so we have Miss Torso who is like a hot blonde <laughs> dancer. But not like a professional <laughs> ballet dancer. Like, she, it's, it seems like she just loves to dance. Um, we yeah. have Miss Lonely Hearts, who's like a single older woman desperate for companionship. We have a pianist, a newlywed couple, a sculptor, a middle-aged couple with a dog, which I'll get to because I have issues with them. Um, and then another <laughs> couple where there's a man who is a traveling jewelry salesman and then his wife is bedridden. So, Jeff jimmy stewart he gets a call from his editor and we find out that jeff is a photographer and then he got hit on a racetrack seven weeks ago uh so he's had a broken leg for seven weeks and he gets the cast off next week so it's one more week that he has to be confined to this wheelchair his nurse stella arrives to give him massages now it doesn't seem like physical therapy to me it seems <laughs> like she just comes over gives him a back massage yeah and then like kind of gives him some like advice and then just leaves each time
0: I've got to say you know in in this week whatever we are of quarantine I was like I want somebody to come over and give me a massage and <laughs> <laughs> been sitting on my couch for too long yeah <laughs> all right like, well this looks great <laughs> You
1: have someone come over and give you a massage, and I'll be the opposite. I don't want anyone touching me. I have never been able to. I know I'm weird, but I've never been able to handle a massage ever like it just oh wow i'm I'm too sensitive I can't handle it. It makes me more tense. Massages make me more tense, but he seems to really enjoy it uh but so they they talks to to Stella about how he is dating Lisa Fremont, and he's like not ready to marry her she's just too much of everything except what he wants uh like she's too good for him but not in the way that like he doesn't think he's good enough for her and just like he doesn't she seems like she's into like going out and looking very nice and it's just all these like you know i guess like high society stuff and he just kind of doesn't want any any part of that
0: yeah he has an attitude of a man like 20 years younger than <laughs> jimmy's yes but maybe that was just a product of you know the time
1: (laughs) yeah uh and then later like Stella leaves and then later we meet this girlfriend of his Lisa played by Grace Kelly Mm -hmm. and she comes in and my first thought was what is the age difference here so (laughs) I looked it up I know you looked it up it's a 21-year age yes, difference that he's just like, ah, I don't really want to be with this woman. Like, I don't know. She's, she's <laughs> great, but she's not what I want. And, like, he's just this, like, older man, you know, temporarily, but, like, in a wheelchair. And she is gorgeous. Yeah. She <laughs> – the costumes in this film are done by Edith Head, who has won eight Oscars, mm-hmm. she's won eight Oscars, or she had, you know, in her life. And then just she's in gorgeous, like, gowns. She looks amazing. She's beautiful. And she's mm-hmm. young and you think also, because he's like looking at this hot blonde across the street, you'd almost think he was single or like this is kind of like something that he'd want. And it's like, no, you have this exact same thing. He, at- he already has it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, why are you like, watch It's like, no, you're, you have a girlfriend. You could just hang out yeah. with her and she really wants to be with you. So, and she brings. And like, some- she's
0: not just hot. She's also like smart and sophisticated and caring and just
1: like she brings him food she brings him lobster to eat and just wants to be with him so it's like everything is really nice and it's just like "Eh, I don't know (laughs) "Eh." she's a real life princess so whatever I guess (laughs) anyway so she wants uh, him to settle down and she wants him to become like a fashion photographer So like they can kind of be together and and settle down and he wants to travel for his photography and they don't say specifically like what kind but I feel like he whether it's like war photography or like just you know going and observing like different cultures or whatever it is like he wants to be out there like in the action kind of roughing it and he doesn't think that she can have that lifestyle she's just too fancy so she can't come with him for work. And he's not willing to be tied down and stay in town. So they get into kind of this this fight. And I, I genuinely thought that he was breaking up with her at the time. And then it's like she's getting ready to leave because she's upset. And he's like, can't we just keep it status quo? And it's like, so you don't want to change it? Like, so what is your plan? That just whenever you're in town, she'll just come over and be around you. And then when you're gone, you just get to be free. Like, you can just have her hang around. I was yeah, confused. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> So, so she leaves and she says, "You won't see me for a long time." Mm -hmm. Um, So later that night, Jeff hears. I know.
0: If I was like a a friend of Grace Kelly's in this movie, I would be like, "Girl, (laughs) yeah, like just you
1: can you can do better, you know." Yeah, (laughs) let him go. (laughs) You're perfect. You can have anyone you want. Yeah. (laughs) And I think in real life that kind of worked because it sounded like Jimmy Stewart's wife in real life was maybe like a little jealous of like her yeah so i guess at least in the real world that kind of worked out even though in the movie you're just like what like yeah anyway Anyway. so he fights with her and then later that night uh jeff hears a woman yell don't and then the sound of glass breaking and he notices that his uh neighbor lars thorwald the one who has the bedridden wife he leaves and Mm. he leaves his apartment and comes back with his suitcase three times that night So he finds this suspicious.
0: Yes. But then he falls asleep. Yes. After the third time. Yes. I'm just going to point out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So he doesn't kind of know what happened after that. So then the other neighbors, uh, the ones with the dog, they live on like a higher story of the building. And apparently (laughs) instead of taking their dog out for a walk, they just lower their dog in a basket off the side of this building every day and they just lower him to the ground and then their dog can just roam around I guess all day by itself it could run into the street you have no idea and then they just bring it back up in the basket later I, it was so weird to me that they did
0: that uh people didn't have the you know they, they they didn't care as much about their dog <laughs> Even still,
1: like if you had like your dog, you know, if your dog was just an outside dog and it was like out all the time, you'd still think like you would just let it out the front door and it can run down the stairs on its own or something like that. But you're like, no, I'm yeah. going to dangle it in a basket off the side of a building. Okay, but it is adorable. <laughs> oh, it looks great. The The dog is very cute and it looks very cute in the basket. It's just yeah. the the danger of it. I hope nothing happens to the dog. So <laughs> then Jeff, okay. <laughs> anyway, so- Jeff uh, thinks that Thorwald was taking something in and out of the apartment in the suitcase. He has this theory that he was doing something. And he starts watching him with binoculars and then later a telephoto lens. And he realizes that Thorwald's wife is now gone. So now his wife is missing and he was going in and out with the suitcase. And we see Thorwald wiping the inside of his suitcase out. And then filling it back up with jewelry. And then we see him cleaning a butcher knife and a small saw. So things are getting weirder. <laughs> and then Lisa, and, like later, uh, Lisa and Jeff have made up, apparently. So they're kissing. And naturally, as you would when things are romantic, <laughs> Jeff asks her, how would you start to cut up a human body? <laughs> So then they cut again, it
0: again. Why is she with him? I, <laughs> just like you have Grace Kelly on your lap. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, uh, I'll just push her aside. I'm more interested in my neighbor. What's he doing? He has a suitcase. My neighbor has a suitcase. I don't know if you know. Uh, so then they kind of debate about what happened, and she tries to kind of be like, you know, I, I don't know if this really happened, but he ends up convincing her that this This could have happened, so now she's she's on board to play detective with him, and the bed uh, that the wife was sleeping in has been like rolled up, and there's this large trunk that has been tied up with rope, believe it or not. so <laughs> uh, delivery people come to take away the the giant trunk, and since now that because there's so many things that seem suspicious, Jeff contacts his detective friend Doyle to kind of investigate if there's been any foul play that happened and Doyle hears from the building superintendent and a couple of the neighbors that Thorwald and his wife left at 6 a.m. and he put his wife on a train to the country and then there was a letter saying that she arrived. So it seems like everything checked out even, you know, with her not yeah. being there and everything like that. Uh, Miss Lonely Hearts, she gets dressed up and she goes out, you know, meanwhile, and Thorwald is starting to go through a purse in the apartment as if his wife just left her purse there and you see them pull out like a wedding ring and an engagement ring and other jewelry which would seem very weird and Lisa comes Mm -hmm. over uh, to stay the night which seemed a bit scandalous at the time like he didn't ask permission from the landlord for his girlfriend to stay over but she mentions how impractical it is for a woman to leave town without her things. Which I would think would be very suspicious that it's just like she's going to go on like a long trip. So naturally she took off her wedding ring and her engagement ring Mm -hmm. and she left them at home in her purse. (laughs) Uh, So Doyle ends up investigating the trunk. It's full of her clothes. And Lisa and Jeff argue with Doyle that the woman on the train wasn't Mrs. Thorwald. So Doyle. Lisa's on
0: board with the. With the the, the murder theory at this point. Yes. They're investigating together. Yeah.
1: Which I thought was kind of odd that they spent so much time kind of on them being different personalities in the beginning. Because for most of this movie, like, they are really on the same page. They are just, like, working together to solve Mm -hmm. this case. But anyway. So. um, Miss Lonely Hearts comes home with her gentleman. Just just as like a side note, I know this is not the main thing, but Miss Lonely Hearts comes home with a man and Jeff's comment about it is he's kind of young, isn't he? Like that she would have come home with a much younger man and thinks that that age difference is a problem when your girlfriend is 21 years younger than you. But I just want to point that out. But unfortunately for Miss Lonely Hearts, the the guy becomes too aggressive for her, and it and it doesn't work out. So, yeah. Uh, and then uh, producer Ryan pointed out uh, while we watched the movie that it's there's diegetic move, diegetic music throughout the movie. So all the the sound like the only music that exists within the film is like within the world of the film, and so having oh. the pianist neighbor is <laughs> really helpful because that's where we get our music mm-hmm. in the movie. So. Yeah. um so he is having a party with people and so they're playing music and stuff that we get and uh while that is happening you can hear a woman scream and so everybody kind of comes out onto their balcony or like looks looks out their window and you realize that the couple that has the dog the dog has been strangled and so she yells at everybody uh because somebody killed her dog and Lisa and Jeff notice that um, it must have been Thorwald. He's the only one who doesn't come to the window. And there's a really great shot because it would be yes. Thorwald sitting in the dark and then you just see like the glow of his cigarette.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for some reason, Thorwald has now killed the dog.
0: Thor- and now I I really hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like killing your wife. Eh, okay, you killed a dog? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs>
1: So then Thorwald the next day, he's watching the walls and Jeff, Lisa, and Stella are noticing that the flowers in the the garden where the couple like lowers the dog every day and it's kind of like a mutual courtyard area, uh, Mm -hmm. the flowers have somehow gotten shorter. Like he took a picture of them before and they were taller and now for some reason they're shorter. So they decide that the dog probably stumbled upon something that it shouldn't have and so it had to die. So they come up with this plan. Where Lisa goes to slip a note under Thorwald's door, and it says, "What have you done with her?" And so Jeff then calls him and tells him uh, to meet. Tells Thorwald to meet him at a bar that he knows what he did. And so once he leaves the apartment, Stella and Lisa decide to go and investigate the flowers. So they go uh, to see what there is, but there's nothing there. They can't find anything. So Lisa decides that she's going to go investigate Thorwald's apartment. So Stella comes back. (laughs) To Jeff's apartment and just leaves Lisa to go and investigate on her own I mean she kind of didn't want her to do it Lisa's just like no yeah she she didn't want her to <laughs> but I, I feel like it's like you'd want another person to be like a lookout or something like that and yeah, you can't unfortunately true. they can't call each other or anything which creates a lot of tension it's like very, very well done uh, but mm-hmm. also like if that happened you should be a better lookout because Stella and Jeff are the worst lookouts talking to themselves <laughs> and not watching her And Thorwald catches Lisa in his apartment. And then Jeff starts, sorry, um, Thorwald starts, like, hurting Lisa. And Jeff doesn't know what to do. And I got mad at him because it's like we just had the woman with the dog scream and get everybody's attention because the dog had died. And now your girlfriend could be murdered in this man's apartment. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And you just sit there, like... (laughs) So I got mad that he didn't, like, yell out, which would catch his attention. But he ends up deciding... You know what? I got
0: to be honest. That did not occur to me when I was... Really?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: no. I mean, I felt like he should be doing something other yeah. than just watching this happen. Yeah. But uh, I, I did not think about, like, oh. yeah, just yell. <laughs> <laughs> All of your neighbors can hear you.
1: <laughs> All right. So we both thought of something in both of these films that did not occur to the other person. Uh, so he ends up, he decides to call the police. They arrive before Lisa is uh, badly injured. And you can see that she has stolen the wedding ring by slipping it on her own finger. And as she's pointing it out to Jeff that she, like, has uh, Thorwald's wife's ring, Thorwald now sees this, that she's trying to signal to the person yeah. across across the... And she's just,
0: like, pointing to it from, from the window, yes, basically. Yes, behind her back. Yeah.
1: Uh, so then... The police arrest Lisa and Stella leaves Jeff's apartment to go and bail Lisa out of jail. So Jeff decides to call Doyle, his friend Doyle, which he doesn't really have a lot of options at this point. Now the neighbor is aware that he's, you know, watching him and stuff like that. Thorwald actually calls Jeff's apartment and then Thorwald comes over and enters Jeff's apartment, which seemed very easy for him to do. As if it was unlocked or something, which I, you know. Yeah. But.
0: People didn't lock their doors, even when there's a guy that you suspect of murder could maybe come over. There's your an neighbor. actual
1: murder on the loose. <laughs> so then there's a scene where, because there's not a lot that Jeff can really do because he's in this wheelchair, he yeah. gets like his, the flashballs for his camera and then as thorwald enters he's blinding him with the the flash bulbs which seemed like that kind of like took a lot of time like that i i'm not saying it's like a bad thing to do and just because you have to change them out every every time but i feel like he blinds him with the light and thorwald just like stops and freezes and then jeff changes out the bulb and he just stops like i feel like he would just like charge him like you get blinded and you would just like Mm. run at the run at him oh i mean yeah i
0: expected jeff to blind him and then move or something, yeah. like try to get away somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but it, his his only plan seemed to be to blind him. <laughs> yeah. And so, then keep blinding him.
1: So then they fight and Thorwald ends up getting Jeff out the window. So now he's just like dangling out his own window. Mm-hmm. But the police arrive just in time to catch Jeff as he's falling out the window and they arrest Thorwald uh, for killing his wife. So yay! Uh, and then... In the uh, in the future now, the pian yeah. the pianist who's actually like in real life he is the creator of Alvin and the Chipmunks,
0: oh, the guy who's I playing didn't the piano.
1: That. But so now the piano player is hanging out with Miss Lonely Hearts, so she's not lonely anymore. And the couple who had the dog that died have a new puppy. I don't think they should have it, but they have a new puppy.
0: <laughs> they are not responsible dog owners.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Miss Torso's boyfriend has come home.
0: Oh, yeah, he's a short little guy.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I feel kind of bad for him because he's having all these men over all the time. And then her boyfriend comes home and... I mean, she, they seem happy, but I'm just like, does you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of wondering, like, with certain, like, relationships that were also there. Because she seemed to be entertaining a lot of men. Not that you saw her really do yeah. anything with any of the other men. But, like, she seems to be entertaining a lot of them. But, yes. So, and then we see Jeff, who now, from Falling not the if you know, has two broken legs. And <laughs> Lisa uh, just gets to take care of him. So, she's taking care of him, and they're together. So... We get a a happy a happy
0: ending. Yay! Yay! Now, I had actually not seen this before, and I knew the basic premise of Rear but I did not actually know whether or not the the neighbor was actually had actually killed his wife, or whether it was you know a mistake, or, or you know he yeah. was mistaken. So it, and I did not know as I was watching the movie. I kept I kept second guessing myself. I was like. Wait, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> like I thought, like maybe there was going to be a twist, and like you know, some something else had happens that you know Jeff was too wrapped up in in his murder uh, theory to that, and he missed something else. Like there's there's a part where Miss Lonely Hearts it seems like she's going to kill herself. Yes. Um, yeah. And and then she hears the piano, and and it's okay. But I was at first, I was like, oh God, no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like wasn't sure because I hadn't seen it either. I wasn't sure at first what was going to happen, but then it's like, well, we're going so far that I can't believe it's just going to be a misunderstanding and yeah. no murder. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was all it was all really well done. This was a good, this was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. There's just mm-hmm. like a few things, like the age difference, yeah. but you know, again, <laughs> the movie is from 1954, so yes,
0: and it is Jimmy Stewart. Yes, audiences are going to, you know. Except that he can he can pull a woman 20 years younger, I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go back then. Do you want to talk about some foods in rope? Yeah. So
0: as far as food they, they actually mention, uh, I feel like we get champagne. Everybody makes a big deal about the champagne because it's not something that I think people drank unless it was like a celebration um, at the time uh david's last drink is um whiskey <laughs> so maybe a whiskey cocktail or champagne <laughs> or something like that then we have uh pate uh which is what the landlady went out to, or the housekeeper uh went out to to pick up and she also makes a comment to the only woman in the room that she might want to watch the pate because it has high cal- it's I high count it's high yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, the forties. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's chicken, of course. Uh, and then they have cake and ice cream for dessert. Um, I was thinking of like a, for a themed food, it might be fun to, um, make some pate and then maybe do like a rope shaped, uh, cracker that you could serve it with oh. uh, something like kind of like a cheese straw, but you yeah, know, something that you sort of braid in the shape of a rope. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was all I could come up with for like rope shaped food. Unless you want to just pick up some Twizzlers or something like
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like you would just get these items and just have your
0: own party, really, with like yeah. bacon. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, pate and and rope crackers, I think, would be kind of kind of cute. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> and basically, any sort of I feel like uh, '40s dinner or or like cocktail party sort of sort of food would, would be kind of fun, mm-hmm. I think. And
1: then for yeah. Rear Window, so they think, so what she brings over uh, on IMDb, they say that it's lobster thermidor with pomfrets frites a la julienne. And they think that it is from, Hitchcock has like two favorite restaurants, and one of them is Musso and Frank's. And they say mm. that it's on the 1954 menu, so lobster thermidor. And yeah. then... Stella was going to make him a common sense sandwich so whatever your interpretation of a common sense sandwich <laughs> is to realize that you should marry the princess of Monaco and then um, she gives him eggs bacon toast and coffee and then they have wine they have brandy in the film um and then for the for the movie uh what I made was egg in a hole which I always thought was toad in a hole but apparently toad in a hole is also sausage in like Yorkshire pudding when I google it so oh what, whatever you would think of as like toast with egg in it um so I used like a mm-hmm. large sourdough toast so that I could put two so it's kind of like binoculars when you look at it and then <laughs> since they have coffee uh and bacon so uh I did uh, maple Co- uh, maple bacon with coffee sprinkled on top of it and then uh coffee and you could spike it with brandy i feel like would yeah so but yeah so i would highly recommend watching both of these movies they're they're great together and maybe people at home can relate to being stuck inside and yeah <laughs> in in the heat and uh
0: <laughs> thanks for joining us for uh, agoraphobic hitchcock you can find us on instagram at movie underscore matchup And please uh, join us next time when our theme will be Immortality Loves Company. Thanks, everybody. Bye.